from Seattle, Washington. I'm Zach Jabal, and this is Next Round, a Vine Pair podcast conversation. We're bringing you these conversations between our regular podcast episodes in order to examine how we move forward as a drinks business following the COVID-19 crisis. Today, I'm talking with Jennifer Simmons, Senior Brand and Integration Manager at Tequila Herradura. Jennifer, thanks so much for your time. So happy to be here. It's a great opportunity to get to speak with you today. Well, we're we're thrilled to have you. So so let's start with just a with some basics. So give me a little bit about the backstory on tequila Herradura and maybe um, a, a little bit about some of the different expressions of tequila that uh, you guys currently have in the market. Sure. Well, our backstory goes back about 150 years. So um, actually, this year in 2020, we are celebrating our 150th year of um, our anniversary, and so certainly we've had um, a great history full of tradition and um, innovation and um, even, you know, certainly sustainable practices so that we're around for another 150 years. Tequila Aradura, actually, there's a legend that goes back around Tequila Aradura. And Aradura's name comes from um, the founder, Aurelio Lopez, finding a horseshoe in his agave fields when he was out inspecting one day. And Ever since then, he, um, you know, wanted to place that symbol of luck and good fortune on every bottle, and we still do that today. So, um, Eridura, having been around so so many years, um, we've certainly innovated. Um, you know, up until just a few decades ago, really tequila wasn't wasn't aged, um, and tequila Eridura actually first brought in 1974 the Reposado category. Now, um, it's interesting. So not only did we create the Reposado category, but we also created the extra extra Añejo category. And so when you think about tequilas, um, most of the business in the U.S. has traditionally been in silver. um, And there's really four main expressions. And two of those um, were certainly credited with crafting. So that's some pretty astounding history to have. And so kind of sitting on sitting on all of that richness and history and thinking about all the people and the families that have really touched this brand, it's really, there's a lot of um, weight to kind of carry forward as, as we think about this brand over the next 150 years. And, you know, what we're really thinking about today is how we look to building an extraordinary future. And so over the last many years, um, we've been focused on minimizing waste and water purification and all of the things um, and, and the processes that support our tequila making and how we can really leave um, as little of an environmental impact as possible going forward. So there's so much richness behind this brand and so many stories that, that I could you know sit here and tell. Um, and it's so fun to talk about it. Some of the expressions beyond the create the categories that we've actually created, um, one right now, and this is super popular in Mexico, is the is the Cristalino expression. So Cristalino in Mexico is the strongest kind of growth category, even though it's not truly defined yet by um, the CRT, the regulatory tequila body down in Mexico. Um, but it's gaining a lot of traction. And what a Cristalino is, is it's an aged expression, a Reposado or an Añejo, where you actually filter out through a charcoal filtration process, the color. Um, and it leaves all of the smoother barrel characteristics, taste, taking out some of the spiciness of the barrel. And it leaves you with a really luxurious, smooth tequila. And so our um, Aradura um, released Ultra, 
back in 2016. And that brand is seeing a lot of success today and is in a very um, exciting place within the tequila category. Very cool. Can you, just for the sake of our listeners who might not be uh, familiar not only with the Cristalino category, but can you define a little bit what an extra añejo is? Yeah. So an extra añejo has actually been um, aged for four years. And so just for, um, it, it can be confusing too when we talk about Ultra because that's the name of our product. It's actually ours is an añejo that we then filter out the um, color. So it's it's um, a 25-month añejo, which is similar to our Eradura añejo, except with additional um, process in order to create this, this smoother, crystal clear tequila. Um, and then you have the extra añejo, which we have Selección Suprema in our portfolio. Um, and that extra añejo is is the actual category that, that I talked about before. Um, and Suprema um, is a 49-month aged tequila. So let's talk about kind of how tequila sales are doing in this period of time. Um, one thing that we've definitely seen in the data here at VinePair is that consumer interest in tequila is really surging. Um, you know, summer is always kind of a, a little bit of a popular time from Cinco de Mayo on, but but we've noticed that this year there seems to be even more demand both for um, tequila and for sort of, you know, the margarita in particular. Is that something that that you on on the Eridura side are, are seeing as well? What, what has the last few months been like um, from the sort of brand perspective? Yeah, so one of the things that we've seen, and, and we operate um, tequila Eridura is priced above the $30 mark, which when we look at that, we consider that an ultra ultra premium space. Ultra pre- in ultra premium spirits overall, tequila is the largest category there. Not vodka, not bourbon, which is surprising, but it's tequila. Um, and so we see so much and have seen so much premiumization in that space. And the trends um, on that have, have basically doubled over the last few months in terms of the acceleration. So we are seeing a lot of consumer interest um, demand around tequila as a category. Um and when you look at Nielsen's, we've seen over the last 12 months, ultra premium tequila growing like plus 40%. I mean, that's insane growth. Yeah. And so, you know, for us, I mean, certainly the margarita is the number one cocktail. When you think about, a lot of times we think about brands in terms of people going to what they know, but margarita is the number one cocktail in the U.S. and people know that. So they're being more exploratory at home. Um, they go with things they know, but yet they'd still want to discover, I think. and so going to the margarita or making margaritas at home or getting margaritas to go from, you know, um, the, the uh, restaurants and the accounts that they want to support is extremely, I think, been popular um, over the last few months. And so are you seeing that kind of level of growth across all the different expressions or is it more focused in like uh, the sort of silver side that people are still more comfortable with for margaritas? Yeah, I mean, we see growth, uh, even though the Reposado category and then Yeho category in the U.S. Are, are, are sizably smaller than the silver category. I mean, silver makes up about, well, 50 plus percent of the business. We're seeing strong growth against all of the expressions. I think as people tend to learn a bit more, and obviously we have education at our fingertips right now, um, and have people start to explore a little bit more and start to realize that Reposado is not the same as gold. Um, and they want to explore the versatility across the expressions of tequila. And so making a Reposado margarita is sort of a change up from the silver or um, even people going into the stage of wanting to sip tequila. Um, 
you know, all of that continues to evolve. And then you certainly have kind of that, I know without bars and restaurant open, but um, we did a partnership recently with Cocktail Courier where we explore different types of um, cocktails with um, not just silver, but thinking about other expressions as well. Gotcha. And, you know, you mentioned education and I'm curious, you know, what, what specifically, or or what are some things that, that you and the, and the brand are doing to kind of connect with, let's start with maybe the customer facing side of it. And then we'll talk a little bit about the industry afterwards, but what are some things that you've done um, in this sort of new at home digital (laughs) education world? Yeah. So, I mean, I think one of the things that um, will continue to to drive success on this brand is is our ability to drive storytelling um, and, and being able to educate on a brand with 150 years of history um, is extremely in- important into kind of how we present ourselves. And so um, we have certainly le- leveraged our um, global ambassador. And obviously, normally we would be sending him around and traveling to all these spaces. And so we definitely um, leverage the virtual space to bring training, to bring Q&A sessions um, in order to drive kind of more awareness and also to make sure that we that we help kind of evolve the tequila category in terms of education with, with the trade and with bartenders and, and restaurant owners and um, as well as kind of the off premise. Excellent. And then as far as things with, uh, you know, sort of working with the trade and in the ways that that still exists, you know, I mean, all of us know that it's been a complicated and challenging road for bars and whatnot um, just in terms of not only closing, then some reopening, some having to kind of reconfigure on the fly. If you have, you know, specific examples you want to give or anything like that, that's great. But I'm just curious, you know, how are you and and Tequila Eridora kind of interacting with the bar community at the moment? Yeah, that's, gosh, it's the world that we're living in today is is almost unbelievable and unreal sometime. And I think that I saw a stat the other day about like 50% of um, restaurant employees are out of work or something. And it's just, it's unbelievable. Um, at Tequila Airder, we're very fortunate to be part of the Brown Foreman family. And um, Brown Foreman has certainly partnered and um, has even put up um, a million dollar donation for um, the Restaurant Workers Relief Foundation through the USB Foundation, and then even locally where we're headquartered at one Louisville, a COVID response fund. And so um, we're certainly a part of that from a brand perspective. Um, We have our ambassadors that are out in our local markets, and they've certainly taken more of a one-to-one type of approach to send um, care packages to those that um, we've had relationships with. Certainly these... (laughs) the restaurants and the on-premise have been an important part of building Tequila Aradura. And um, we've certainly taken more of that one-on-one approach where we've built these relationships in market to make sure that everyone that's being impacted knows that, that we're there to support them and that we're thinking of them in this extremely tough time. Gotcha. And I'm curious too, you know, as much as, or as uh, to the extent you can speak to it, you know, is the, what's the impact that you're seeing on the production side or, or, you know, how is, how are things um, kind of progressing in 
um, in Mexico with with tequila production. I mean, I, I, we've talked to lots of different uh, people throughout the the industry over the course of the last few months talking about whether it's beer, wine, spirit production. And, and it's always good to get a sense, too, that, you know, obviously this isn't a product that just magically arrives in the United States. People actually have to make it. How, how is that going? Yeah, I mean, um, it's going well. I think we're we're very fortunate in the way that we, um, you know, grow our agaves, plan for our agave harvest, work with the local communities um, in terms of, of uh, where we source and, and, and who kind of helps us cultivate our agave supply. So um, we personally haven't had to run into um, any supply issues. We do hear constantly about different competitors being out of stock in this market or that market. And so um, we are constantly monitoring this because when you have this level of surge in demand, um, it has definitely required us to communicate a lot more um, since with COVID and more frequently on our demand drivers across the U.S. um, for tequila um, so that we know as different pockets across the country are seeing surges um, and seeing increased demand, we can then communicate that back and react with our production teams. Um, So it's definitely elevated a lot of the need for more communication. Um, and yeah, it's it's definitely hitting the industry and you see it in different ways too, whether it's through sizes or different expressions um, and, and like what the availability is. And, and different suppliers are taking different approaches to it. You know, we've seen discontinuations of some SKUs um, and some products just so that they can make sure that they have tequila for they're, you know, bigger SKUs. Um, but yeah, we've been very fortunate in the way that we source and plan to have a lot of agility there. So let's let's turn our attentions back to the real fun stuff, which is actually drinking this tequila. So I wanted to I wanted to start with a, a question. We, we're going to talk about a couple of cocktail uh, uses for uh, the ver- some of the various expressions of Erdodora. But I wanted your opinion. You know, when it comes to drinking the tequila neat or drinking the tequila's neat. What is the right glass to do it in? That's a great question. Um, I personally prefer the taller Riedel glasses. Um, I think that almost it's similar to that sort of wine experience to me. Um, certainly the way that you can kind of really be able to, to, to take in the aromas, um, and to really let the, let it breathe through the Riedel glass, I think for a, for a more expensive tequila, that's the best way to go. Okay. So, so let's start first with, of course, as we talked about the most popular cocktail in the country right now, probably the thing that you think and talk the most about in some sense, and that's the margarita. So, okay. You, you, or I, I was sent a, a recipe for the, uh, the horseshoe margarita, which is uh, pretty much a standard margarita, but doesn't involve any kind of orange liqueur. What's the, what's the reason there? Yeah. So I think that the reason that we love this recipe is because it's very fresh. And when you taste our Eridura silver tequila, there's a lot of crispness, a lot of agave forward notes that we don't feel like you need kind of that orange zest flavor. Now, of course, you can always add different ingredients. Like for example, to the horseshoe margarita, one of the things like over, not this past weekend, but the last weekend, um, I had some fresh peaches and so pureed those peaches up, took the lime, the agave nectar and some peach puree and made an amazing 
peach margarita. Um, and so I think with our base recipe of the lime and the agave nectar, without adding the orange um, liqueur, you can really easily turn that into a dialed up pomegranate margarita, a watermelon margarita, a peach margarita. So we really like to play up the versatility of a classic margarita, but then you can certainly add on layers of depth to it. Awesome. And real quick, I, I realized I forgot to mention, it'll be in the the notes that accompany the show, but what's the recipe itself just so that uh, people who are just listening have it? Sure. So for the horseshoe margarita, we use one and a half ounces, or we call it one part of um, tequila aridura silver. Then you're going to use two parts um, lime juice, and then maybe just a squeeze to your taste of agave nectar. And then you fill your shaker with ice, put those ingredients in together and really shake it, shake it so that the ice starts to melt within the cocktail. Have your rocks glass. So since you're drinking a margarita, recommend the rocks glass. Fill it with fresh ice and then strain over top. And that'll give you um, a beautiful horseshoe margarita. Cool. And then what are a couple of other uh, cocktails that you really like to to use to showcase um, some of the other expressions of the tequila? Yeah, so um, one that I, that I know we also shared was the rosemary paloma. So palomas are very popular in Mexico, and they're really based around lime juice and grapefruit. So if you take tequila aridura silver and you take some fresh grapefruit juice, you can use some fresh lime juice, and then uh, I like to top it with a little bit of sparkling water and then a sprig of rosemary. It is like an amazing, um, refreshing uh, cocktail with just a little bit more of um, flavor profile with that added rosemary. I'm all about the fresh herbs. Gotcha. That That is one of my favorites. And that is one that's easy to kind of wow people with because it also looks really beautiful with the rosemary. Um, the other thing that I am, um, I've been doing a lot lately is the an ultra and tonic. So while I certainly, one of my favorite things is just our ultra crystallino, Eridor ultra neat, um, chilled is amazing, but, um, sometimes for fun because a lot of my friends don't always want to drink straight tequila. (laughs) Um, (laughs) better friends. Yeah. I mean, apparently so. Um, but, um, one thing I like to do is take, uh, one of the beautiful, like high, either like what you would think for like a gin cocktail or a big red wine glass. Take that, put about an ounce and a half of Tequila Aridura Ultra, put some fresh mint in it, and then top with um, tonic. And it makes this like beautiful cocktail presentation. Um, It's super easy to drink and very refreshing. And so an ultra and tonic with mint is is another one that's like a simple um, but yet fresh ingredient for the summer. And it just looks really pretty when you're sitting around a pool. So Awesome. Well, those sound delicious. Uh, I know what I'm going to be doing later today, which is drinking some tequila. Um, after chasing my son around all day, I'll probably need it. And uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, Jennifer, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Getting a sense for um, what's going on with Tequila Aradura. Is there anything that uh, I didn't touch on that you feel like should be should be mentioned? Um, no, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm so glad for, for you to take the time. I think, you know, um, it's just really important for us on the brand with in celebrating our 150th year anniversary that as we think forward to building our next 150 years, we really think about how we 
are part of the change for the future, whether it's with our sustainability practices um, or bringing forward kind of new innovation. Um, we are launching um, our 150th anniversary Eradura Anniversario product in September, which is going to be a 100-month age tequila. Wow. It's really in, um, in celebration of 150 years and taking all of our traditional practices and really kind of putting them to the test in terms of innovation of this new product. So we're really excited about that going forward. Um, and yeah, we just, we, we look forward to um, hoping in the environment and the world that we live in um, that people can enjoy Eradura and enjoy their margaritas and it gives them, you know, a sense of connection and a sense of, of community. So. Excellent. Well, keep my eyes open for the anniversario when that comes out in September and uh, look forward to drinking the rest of the tequilas uh, over the course of the summer and, and into the fall. Jennifer, thank you so much for your time. Uh, we really appreciate it. And uh, be well and best of luck. Thank you, Zach. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you enjoy listening to us every week, please leave us a review or rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. Vine Pair is produced and hosted by Zach Jabal, Eric Ducey, and me, Adam Teeter. Our engineer is Nick Patry and Keith Beavers. I'd also like to give a special shout out to my Vine Pair co-founder, Josh Mallon, and the rest of the Vine Pair team for their support. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again right here next week.